hope you're doing well. We're uh, in our, this series, just a, a short summer series, working through promises, and I, I don't feel like with this morning's topic, I really have to make much of an appeal to its relevance for you. As you see uh, the promises of God, we've titled this specific one, next slide there, The Promises of Overcoming Temptation. I couldn't resist that little picture of uh, capturing that. But this idea of overcoming temptation is something that I think is so relevant in our, in our world, and I don't feel like I need to argue with you. Usually I spend the first few minutes making the case that you need to listen, but I think uh, already our, our ears are perked by the topic in and of itself. But what I would love to do is make sure we're all on the same uh, page with what temptation actually is. I really enjoyed my uh, study time this week just exploring that. Now, I want to share just a little bit of what I've discovered in that. The first thing was what the word itself uh, actually stems from. The Greek word here is the word parismos, and it's used for two things. It actually is used for two words, uh, which we usually associate as different words, is referring to both trials and temptations. It's the exact same word used interchangeably based on the intent of the passage. And the idea here for both trials and temptations, the basic meaning of parismos is this, is this that, that it's to test or prove. It's actually no negative connotation to the word. I was thinking about that. That's a really interesting reality about our circumstances that we get confused about is that really in and of themselves, they're not necessarily bad. It's how we choose to respond to them that determines whether or not they're a test that proves our righteousness and God's strength, or they're an enticement to evil if we submit to them. So temptation is something that's out there. It's a circumstance that comes across our path and we determine, based on how we respond to it, whether or not it's a trial or it's a temptation or a solicitation towards sin. James 1, 14 through 15 explains this for, further of how it works, that we're lured and enticed by our own desire, then desire, when it has conceived, gives birth to sin. You see, that, that, that invitation is there but it's up to us to determine whether or not it's something that puts the spotlight on God to say, wow, look at his faithfulness and, and how you're, I've been over, able to overcome that in his power. Or, unfortunately, it's an enticement or an appeal towards sin that you're like, yes, Satan got the upper, upper hand. Which brings me to the second part of understanding trials is what I've already mentioned is we're not alone in this. Sometimes in church world, we swing the pen pendulum. Some churches really are always talking about Satan and demonic forces, and you get kind of like, whoa, that's a crazy church. They're, they're, uh, Satan's behind every rock. And then other churches swing the other direction and don't really ever talk about it, which is a problem in and of itself. But Scripture's really clear that there is a spiritual battle going behind the scenes, and Satan being the chief of the fallen angels leading his crew to try to cause us to stumble and to fall, trying to manipulate our circumstances, our, our, our different things, our, our thoughts, our things that come across our, our path to cause us to turn what could be an opportunity to proclaim God's goodness and faithfulness into an opportunity to be sin. Are you tracking with me thus far? I, I like the, the situation or the example that 
that Francis Chan, he's a uh, preacher that I respect, he gave this illustration, and we'll see, I think this captures it, but when talking about temptation, it kind of sees temptation as something uh, that, that Satan does, where he puts, kind of like fishing, you put on the, the hook there, this is a gummy worm, uh, some of you, that's your temptation, and uh, actually it is a bit for me, those in Swedish fish, uh, but, uh, but here you put that on, and you cast that out, and I'm not going to do that, because that would be a bummer to catch my son in the eye with this hook, but, uh, but, but here's the, the idea, is that's kind of how Satan operates, is he's constantly appealing. He's dropping the line. You, you like the nice Zebco I have here? This is a real fine fishing rod. Uh, and, and so he's dropping the line, and here's what happens, is when he tries a particular bait or appeal to us, and that doesn't work, he's like, well, let me add something else on here. And so I think I'm uh, actually breaking the law by doing this. Uh, so he puts this, okay, let's see if I can do this without cutting my finger. Uh, you get the idea. So there's a, there's a, the, the money's the next temptation that might be on, on the hook there. He appeals to us with that. And basically my big idea here is that he's constantly, nonstop, and you can feel this and sense this, especially in the area that we live, making additional appeals. Oh, well, that didn't work. Okay, well, that didn't work. And before you know it, you're surrounded with temptation. And in fact, I think this illustration is actually lacking. So I brought one that was a little bit more of the picture of what I think uh, happens. This is actually my temptation hat here. This represents a little bit more where he's not just throwing one line in. He's got, he's got a little bit of everything. Do you guys like this or what? Is this sweet? This is, this is a temptation hat that's a picture of he's constantly, there's lines going every direction. The disco ball is getting tangled with the car. Uh, but, but you get the idea. This is more of what I feel like our existence is in trying to live in this world, and it's perpetuated by other people. We'll get that off. That's too much of an image for you all uh, to have in your head. Uh, but we get this, that one person's temptations, whoa, uh, that they fall to, only adds to more temptations to us. Do you see how it becomes a cycle? As one person, they fell to it. Oh, they're falling to that. And they put it on a screen. Oh, you know what I mean? Like this is how it works and it perpetuates itself in our world. So we're left wondering, wait a second. I'm in this gauntlet where I have God that's there trying to test my faithfulness, and, and, and which then ultimately results in us growing stronger and becoming more like himself, so good intentions. And then you have Satan obviously appealing to our, our, our desires where he's like, man, I just want to take them down. I want to I tear them apart. I want them to fall like none other. So both of those are happening. We're going through this gauntlet. And so what do we do in that situation? How do we respond to this gauntlet? Well, it's good that you've asked that because in our text this morning, God clearly says that he has promises, and I called it plural, promises that are very directly related to this whole struggle with temptations. Let me pray for us before we dive in. God, thank you so much for this word this morning and the relevance that it has on our lives. That's not something that's dusty and old and, and no longer applies, but it's something that speaks to the situation that we're in here this morning, right now. A situation that was 
clouding our mind this week, the situation that consumed our thoughts, the situation that maybe we're still reeling in from a recent mistake. God, I pray that you just grow us, stretch us, that you teach us from your word this morning on ways to to take hold of the promises you offer as we deal with all of the temptations around us. I pray that we'd be able to turn them into trials rather than temptation, trials that prove your faithfulness and goodness to us. We ask that you'd speak to us through this text in Jesus Christ's name. Amen. So helpful if we look at this text together. I'm in 1 Corinthians 10, 12 through 13 this morning. Just a couple verses we're going to look at that focuses on the promises of God as it relates to overcoming temptation. And this is such a wonderful passage. What a gift it was this morning to already hear the Word of God read. It was giving me chills as people read Scripture after Scripture of promises they've clung to. But this is a a new one to add to your list. Let me read it first, and then we'll kind of uh, break it down. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. No temptation has overtaken you that is not common to man. God is faithful, and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability, but with the temptation he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. Let's think about that for a moment. A lot of promises there. It's almost like four different statements. If you if you break it down, the first one is this, is the God's promise that overconfidence leads to a fall. Look how that verse starts, or actually just verse 12 itself. Therefore, let anyone who thinks that he stands take heed lest he fall. History, if you think about it, is full of examples of people growing lazy or complacent prior to a major fall in their life. There's a tendency there. We see it through the Old Testament, through the New Testament. You could probably bring to mind your own examples. I thought of them, probably one of the more common ones in the Old Testament. It was King David. You remember him when the kings are supposed to be out to war, it says, which is a weird statement. But he was there on his own balcony and just kind of leisurely leaning back and counting all of the things that he had done and accomplished. And that's when, as you know from the story of David, David, He was introduced to a other man's wife named Bathsheba and fell hard. That impacted the remainder of his life and even his family's life. Peter in the New Testament, do you remember his claims to Jesus Christ? I will never deny you. Famous last words, right? Never say never, right? That's the big idea here, and it's something that we're warned against throughout Scripture. Proverbs 16, 18, you're familiar with. Pride goes before what? Destruction, before a fall in some uh, versions. The same picture as we see in the first 11 verses of this chapter. Paul goes through example after example of people falling and people that were under the same teaching, under the same God, just falling and drifting away into sin And here's the warning to each of us, is this is all of us. All of us have, nobody's immune to overconfidence. Nobody's immune to taking a major fall. In fact, it seems like as soon as you think you're not susceptible 
that's when you're in the most dangerous of positions. You see, the way it works is your mind thinks, oh, well, I've overcome that, I've overcome that, I'm doing pretty good in this, and then God's like, oh, oh, yeah, you've overcome those, but watch out because the enemy's got something that he's luring in front of you right now. I've noticed that even clues that you're headed this direction. I've noticed even that in preparing for a message. Sometimes I'll, I'll be going through a text and I'll be, come to this section and I'll be like, oh, this is going to be great. This is just being honest. Like, this is going to be great for the church to hear. They really need to hear this. God consistently reminds me, no, Scott, what do you need to hear in this text this morning? What, does, what do you need to have working on in your heart? What, what needs to be molded and shaped more into my likeness in your heart, Scott? Maybe for you, you have the same issue when you show up here on Sunday morning. You start thinking during the sermon, you're like, oh, I can't wait for Uncle Ted to hear this sermon. I'm sending him the link as soon as we get home. He really, oh man, this person next to me really needs to hear this sermon. I hope they caught his point about this. And that's what can happen so quickly in our minds is it can become something that you're like, I've got a, I've got a pretty good handle on this. I've got a pretty good balance. And what happens is we start to diminish our sins and areas of struggle and elevate everybody else around us. That's when we're most susceptible and it's most dangerous for us to fall. So here he moves, starts with a strong warning about self-confidence. But I, I love that in this, after he's just going through all these example after example of people falling, that he says, I, I'm aware of my audience. I don't want them to be too beaten up by this. I want to move from this strong warning to also a strong assurance that God's going to help when we're tempted. Look at verse 13. No temptation has overtaken you that is, not that is not common to man. In other words, God promises you are not alone in your struggle. Common to man. You may feel like you're the only one, but that is false. That is false. Your difficulties are not unique. You're not the first or the last to struggle with your struggle. Circumstances may differ, but basic temptations do not. And the reason it's important to understand that, that is because Satan so often in our mind wants to isolate us and think that we're like, oh, I can't ever get through this. I'm the only one that battles this. Man, this, this is, there's, I can't beat this. This is, this, is so, this is bigger than any. And that's the lie that the enemy wants to drop in your mind. He wants to isolate you and get you thinking that you're alone in this. I remember some years back as a young adults pastor back in Chicago, I had a young man come to, to talk with me and he, you could tell he was really distraught. He was real hesitant to share what he was struggling with and he starts talking. He's like, pastor, he's like, man, this is, this is real bad. He's like, he's like, man, I've been really struggling with viewing some inappropriate material on the internet. He's looking, he was waiting to see my response to that. And he's like, you could tell he had been so isolated in this. And I had to encourage him like, man, you are not alone. Like I talked to more guys that that's their, their area of struggle and, and, and but able to give them hope. But there's people that have victory over that. And here's some steps that you can take. You see, the thing is, once we lift our eyes up from our area of struggle, 
Then our eyes are, this, is, this isn't meant to rationalize, oh yeah, I struggle just like everybody else. This is meant to say, lift your eyes up from your area of struggle and you'll start to see that in God's strength, lots of people have faced the same thing and seen victory over it. Does that make sense? So that's the, the first observation is he promises that you're not alone in this, that there's others that have faced it and been delivered from the same thing. Truth is, there's no temptation that's stronger than our resources in Christ. Next part of verse 13. God promises he is watching and controlling severity of trials, is what I've titled it. It says, God is faithful and he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. First thing that caught my attention as I was stewing on this is the first observation that's maybe not immediate there is that God is watching and watching carefully. You see, we've bought, many have bought into this myth that God kind of created this whole setup and stepped away and is from a distance kind of observing, a casual observance, uh, but not really actively involved in our life. But this verse is a direct rebuke to that. This verse is saying that he's observing, not only is he a watching, he's assessing how much is too much. How much do you see that? And he will not let you be tempted beyond your ability. He's controlling the severity of things. He's saying, I know what my son or daughter can take, and I'm not going to allow more to be plopped on top of them as what they can hold up. There's a load limit for each one of us. Remember back in college, uh, lifting weights with some friends and uh, a couple of the guys that I was with were especially strong, and, and so I got a little bit zealous and said, all right, I, I think I can bench that too. And the first time down, I had them kind of spot and hold the two sides up of, of the weight to relieve a little bit of the, the pressure. And after they, they did it once and uh, was, was bench pressing this, and I was like, you know what, guys? I think I got it. I think I got it. They, they let go of the weights and that bar hit my, I'm confident my sternum touched my spine. And, uh, and in that, that moment, I was like, oh, man, guys, where did you go? And where, why'd, you, why'd you abandon me? They said, you thought, we thought you had it. You're like, no, you're the worst. And, uh, <laughs> and, and, and here, here's this picture, is that we have a God that knows exactly how much to let lower down, to lower down. No, that's, that's about enough. I'll give a little bit of ease. But here's the trick. He's also in the process trying to build our strength up. He's trying to make us more like him. He's trying to get us so that we have a higher aptitude of trial that we can face without being swayed. Some of us, man, the first storm or anything that comes, you're like, oh, wiped out on your back. And God's like, well, he clearly can't handle much. But some of us, he's just like, man, I, I, I believe you can do this in my strength. I love this, this quote by Mother Teresa. This quote is once saying, I know God won't give me more than I can handle. I just wish he didn't trust me so much. <laughs> I, think that, I think that's a, a good picture, but sometimes we're just like, man, I, I wish he didn't give me so much, uh, so much to, to bear. But here's the other thing that you'll glean from this, that he knows what your ability to handle is. So don't buy into the lie. This is what happens. A lot of times we say, oh, I just couldn't take it anymore. I just couldn't, I just couldn't hold up. Well, that is a lie 
from the enemy because we're told in this passage that he won't give you more than you can carry. Do you see that? Do you see that, that myth that the enemy sneaks into your thinking saying like, oh, I just couldn't resist anymore. It was just too much. Nope. Actually, it wasn't too much. Maybe too much for you, but not too much for you in God's strength. That's the difference. So he's reminding us re- really clear, and this is what I love. He starts in these, this test of your faithfulness. We see that God is faithful. Your trial will neither overtake your life or last forever. Somebody here this morning just needed to hear that. It won't ever overtake your life, and it won't last forever. This last point that I want to bring to light from the last section of that verse says this, but with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape that you may be able to endure it. My kids, I think I've mentioned this before, young ki- three, three of them young kids, one of their favorite things to do is wrestling with dad. I don't know if I'm raising future UFC champions or what, but, but you'd think that it'd be my, my son that enjoys it. But man, my daughters get into it too. And my, my youngest little Sienna, she'll stand at the end of the bed and go, I'm a beast, and then tackle me. And like, it's, it's just crazy, crazy stuff. But, but they're, they're asking, one of the things that I do when I'm kind of goofing around with them is I'll, I'll, I'll get them in some kind of a tight hold, and I'm going to fall here, I'll have them all wrapped up and, and tangled, and, and, and I'll, I'll hold them, and here's the little secret, Chase, sorry to break the news to you, but I'll leave just enough space where if they wiggle hard enough, if they try hard enough, they will actually get loose, and they'll think at the conclusion of it that it was them getting them loose, but I know that I could hold them for days and they couldn't move an inch if I chose to. Sorry, Chase, to ruin that. But, but, but here's the thing. I have this picture of God the Father. It's like, yeah, I'm holding them really tight. I've got them tangled up. They're, they're in the middle of this, but I've left a way out. I've left an opportunity out if they open their eyes to see that. If they open to, to see that, that, that God, and here's news to maybe some of us, God wants you to win. God wants you to win. God wants you to succeed at this Christian life. He wants you to excel at it. He wants you to become more like him. He wants you to get stronger and more capable of withstanding the pressures and trials of this life. And that's the wonderful truth that we see here. But with the temptation, he will also provide the way of escape. So way of escape made me start thinking like, well, what are, what are some of those ways of escape to be watching for? It's kind of like going down the, the, the highway, down 101. What are the exits to be watching for? I jotted down a few for my study this, this week. Maybe you could, I mean, they're countless. Uh, you could add to your own to the, to the list here of escapes that God provides. A couple just for thought this morning. This first one, encouragement to persevere. Encouragement to persevere. That's, that's one when someone comes alongside of you at just the perfect time. You're like, man, you are a lifesaver. You gave that word of encouragement. You gave the glimpse of hope. You, you, you spoke just the right thing. God uses people as an encouragement. Maybe you've experienced that in your own life, in your own trial, how God does that. It's a beautiful way. That's one of the ways of escape in the midst of the trial. Temporary relief. 
temporary relief. Maybe that's one that you've experienced where you're in the middle of it and it seems like all you can see are the clouds right in front of you, but it just flashes a little glimpse of hope, a little light at the end of the tunnel, and you're like, oh, thank you, God, for giving me that, that picture. Thank you for providing that, that answer, or, or thank you for even the pause in the trial. You know the trial's still going to be there for an extended period, but thank you for the pause. That was the, the breath of air that I desperately needed. That's another way that he reaches out or provides escape. Strength to endure. Strength to endure. I bet you in this room there's somebody that would say, man, during that one season of going through, you fill in the blank, whatever it was, I have no idea how I made it, but somehow God provided the strength. Like, I, I wouldn't have guessed that I could do that on my own. You think of that in your own life, experiences that you've been through, and you're like, man, I don't, actually, as I stop and think about it, I don't know how I did make it through that. But God is faithful. He provides supernatural strength that you're like, man, I don't know how I did it, but I did it. Wisdom to act. We talked about that last week, the idea of the, if we were lacking wisdom, what are we supposed to do? Ask for it. Not look for it, ask for it. He's very specific on that. It's an invitation into relationship. He says, man, if you're lacking it, and how often in the middle of your trial that you're just like, man, that was so cool. I didn't at first see that angle on this situation. I didn't at first see that way out. I didn't at first see that. Man, thank you, God, for providing wisdom. Thank you for revealing that to me. I, I saw no hope at first, but you were faithful to provide a way out or wisdom to act. Friend to share a burden. Friend to share a burden. That's so cool when you have somebody come alongside you and say, man, I've been right along this road just like you have. I remember this is what, how I dealt with it. This is how God provided. And man, when you have that friend or that person, that confidant that comes along that says, man, I'm right here with you. Man, that's a beautiful thing. And we need to open our eyes to see that as one of the ways through it that he's offering or inviting us to. Last one is this, not a, not a real rocket science, but sometimes he says he ends it, just ends it. He chooses to bring it to conclusion. He's just like, all right, that's enough. How many of you can think of a time in your life you're like, man, that was such a struggle to me. It's not really a struggle very much anymore. I, I've seen victory over that. God was super kind to me. I, I was talking to a guy in my dis discipleship group I'm a part of, and he was talking about a struggle that he had had for like a really extended period of time. And he's like, man, it's, it's not even a big deal anymore. It's not even a temptation. I can be around it, and it's not, even, it, it's not even a draw. God gives victory. Sometimes he just chooses that. But more often, his plan isn't to necessarily pluck us out. We see this in there because right after he says, provide the way of escape, that you may be able to endure it. That seems like it's kind of a escape and endure. You're like, how does that work together? Sometimes it's not taking you out of it. Sometimes he's saying, you know what? I'm going to be with you through it. I, I'm the answer that you're waiting for. I don't know if you've read this book or uh, remember it called Pilgrim's Progress, written by John Bunyan back in 1678. It's probably one of the, the most uh, popular and best uh, done allegories of the Christian life that you'll find. If you haven't read it, it would be a great thing to add to your read list. At one point in the story, 
John Bunyan tells of two characters named Christian and Hopeful who are walking along the king's highway and stop to rest in a field belonging to a giant named Despair. The problem was they fell asleep, they got complacent. And it wasn't long before they were found and taken into a place called Doubting Castle. Great name, it's pretty subtle. Here they were beaten, deprived of food and water, and left in the darkness to die. Thinking about that, you ever felt like that where you got sleepy in your faith only to wake up in the worst possible circumstances? In fact, the giant despair even suggested they commit suicide to just get it over with. In the midst of discussing the possibility of suicide with one another, Christian remembers he has a key in his pocket called promise. It is a key that will open any door in Dowden Castle and provide the way of escape if he'll just use it. When he finally uses it, the key works, and they find that doubt and despair give way to promise every single time. Beautiful picture. That's the reminder. That's what he says here. He will. That's a promise. He will provide the way of escape. Will we take advantage of it? Will we use it? Will we walk through this with him? Or will we go, eh, that's just, uh, I'm the only one. I, I'm going to fall into this. I'm going to keep falling in this. Or will we say, all right, I'm going to start looking for some of those exit ramps. I'm going to start asking him to reveal those exit ramps to me. I'm confident if you ask, because that ties into last week's promise, if you ask for wisdom in it, he's going to give you wisdom. He'll start opening your eyes to the potential exits. And the beautiful thing, and I want to close with this, is with this whole idea of the difference between trials and temptations, trials, when they stay trials, they have the opportunity to put the spotlight on your faithfulness, but more importantly, to put the spotlight on His faithfulness. You see, our life circumstances as they're piled on us, it's such a beautiful thing when somebody, and you've heard somebody finish this statement, Man, I can't believe it, but in God's strength, I was able to overcome you fill in the blank. I was able to overcome my addiction to smoking. I was able to overcome my problem with drinking. I was over, able to overcome my addiction to sexual stuff. I was able to overcome my anger issues. I was able to overcome unforgiveness. I was, and the list goes on and on. It's an opportunity to take the spotlight off of us and say, man, look what God has done in our life. And you think about what he's provided. He's told us just even in this little passage, this little passage, one, he's given us an awesome warning. He said, hey, don't get too, uh, too big on yourself thinking that you can't fall, that you're not subject to making your own mistakes. Also, don't forget you're not alone in this. He's given us, he, he said, not, not only are you not alone on this, this is what we all need to hear this morning. You won't be tempted more than you can handle. He said that, I, I promise that to you. I promise that to you. And then I've provided in your temptation, I've provided the exit ramp off. I've promised a way out. So I, my take on this text is he's got every single angle of this covered. Will we take advantage of that invitation and that promise? Let me pray for us. God, I thank you so much for this text. 
in the middle of our trials slash temptations, we're not abandoned and left guessing, how in the world am I going to make it through this? You're the answer to that question. I thank you that you limit what comes across our path. I thank you that every day is a fresh start in your grace and forgiveness. I thank you that what we're facing is not uncommon, that we're all in this together. God, I thank you so much that you do provide the way out. I pray that we would make choices, even this coming week, to look for those exit ramps, to look for those ways of escape, that we wouldn't just keep falling to the same old stuff time and time and time. Again, things that we know don't satisfy, things that we know are lies from the enemy. God, open our eyes to the promises that you offer, that you want us to exceed, you want us to to break loose. Thank you, God, for your kindness to us. In Jesus Christ's name, amen.